Friends, welcome to Word on Fire Catholic Ministries. Word on Fire is an apostolate dedicated to the mission of evangelization, using media both old and new to share the faith on every continent and to facilitate an encounter with Christ and His Church. The efforts of Word on Fire engage the culture and bring the transformative power of God's Word where it is most needed. Today, we invite you to join Bishop Robert Barron as he preaches the gospel and shares the warmth and light of Christ with each one of us. Peace be with you. Friends, I want to focus my attention this weekend on the magnificent first reading taken from the pivotal ninth chapter of the Acts of the Apostles. I say pivotal because This is the chapter in which the conversion of Saul is recounted. And Saul, Paul, is arguably, after Jesus himself, the most important figure in the formation of the early church. Indeed, you know, how wonderful it is that to this day, you know, we still read so regularly from the writings of this early, early figure in the life of the church. Hans Urs von Balthasar, John Paul II's favorite theologian, refers to Paul as one of the great archetypes in the life of the church, meaning he, he's one of the basic forms that we enter into in living the Christian life. And so we can benefit always from a close study of his life and his manner of discipleship. And, you know, the Acts of the Apostles, it's been referred to as the Pauliad. You know, you've got the Aeneid and you have these great epic works in the ancient world. It's This is the Pauliad. It's the story of Paul's um, life and work and so on. So it it draws us into this careful study of him. So as we all know, Saul was a terrifying persecutor of the early Christian way. That, that phrase that always stays in my mind, uh, Saul breathing murderous threats sets off to persecute the church in Damascus. There's something about that phrase that catches, doesn't it? All the intensity and the fanaticism and the and the violence, the danger of this figure, breathing murderous threats. He was, in a word, about as far from being a follower of Jesus as you could imagine. He's someone who's viciously, actively persecuting the church. Then, as we hear in chapter 9, in the most famous conversion ever, he was utterly changed. Okay, so a first spiritual lesson. Never, ever give up. Never, ever think that you are permanently beyond the pale. Never, ever think that you can't be forgiven and sent on mission. I know, I know there are people right now listening to me who feel they've just spent too much of their lives in opposition to Christ. I said before, I think that the saddest things I ever hear in the context of confession are, oh, Father, I I mean, I could never be forgiven for that. I mean, I, I know I've done things that I can never be forgiven for. Well, I forbid you from despairing. Now, why? Well, look what Jesus did with Saul. this active, aggressive, violent persecutor of Christ and his church. And yet, through God's grace, he's changed. Never, ever 
give up. Never, ever think that you're beyond the pale or can't be forgiven or sent on mission. Christ can change you. Don't doubt it. Now, understandably, and we hear about this in the reading for today, the church in Jerusalem was pretty skeptical of this character. I mean, can you imagine? They knew, oh yeah, Saul, he's that, uh, he's that you know, really intense rabbinic student on fire to destroy the followers of Jesus. And, and now you're telling me he's back and he's proclaiming the Lord? I mean, here's a guy who a week before had gone on a hunting expedition looking to throw Christians in jail, and now he's preaching in the name of Jesus? There had to have been people in the Jerusalem uh, church who thought, oh, no, no, he's a spy of some kind. That's the oldest trick in the book, isn't it? Is you infiltrate the circle of your enemy. And so, oh, let's, let's pretend he's a great convert, and now he's uh, preaching Jesus. No, 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 no. A lot of them must have thought, this guy is, is unbelievable. It's too good to be true. And so we hear in the reading for today, they were all afraid of him, not believing that he was a disciple. And I, I totally get that. That is, totally has the ring of truth to me. At this point, we hear of actually one of my favorite characters in the Acts of the Apostles, this figure called Barnabas. Barnabas was a nickname, uh, and it means Barnabas. It means the son of encouragement. Listen, then Barnabas took charge of him and brought him to the apostles. So here's, here's Saul, Paul, newly converted, and he's full of the, of the enthusiasm of the new convert, and he's preaching away. The church is like hyper-skeptical of him. And it, the things aren't going well. See, that's the clear implication here. Things are not going well. And then Barnabas, I love that little phrase, took charge of him. You can imagine Barnabas saying, all right, listen, listen, Paul, come with me now, and, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring you to these apostles, and I'm going to try my best to explain what's going on with you. Okay, second lesson in the spiritual order. We are never in this thing alone. I mean, Paul's experience of Jesus was intensely personal. But his living of the Christian life was always done in community. He was a great mystic and genius. I mean, I'll grant you that. One of the greatest of all time. But without Barnabas, he would never have gotten his mission off the ground. Right? Let's say he had just continued preaching in Jerusalem, probably antagonizing um, the, the enemies of the faith, and, and the faithful themselves suspicious of him, Paul might have just burned himself out. He might have just been, been jailed or, or put to death. It took this, you know, let's face it, much more minor figure. Barnabas is not the mystic and genius that Paul was. But yet he needed Barnabas to kind of help him out and get him integrated into the community and get his mission off the ground. In fact, we hear later in the Acts of the Apostles, it was the same Barnabas who fetched Paul in Tarsus many, many years later and encouraged him again, Barnabas, to, to get on the move. So much more minor figure, sure, but without Barnabas, no Paul. So everybody, watch in the mystery of divine providence for the people who have been sent to help you 
to guide you and to give you direction. This is true in the lives of all the great saints. And I always kind of rejoice in discovering that in the lives of the saints. You know, these great figures like, like Paul. But none of the saints, there's no exception I know of, none of the saints would get their sainthood off the ground were it not for lots of Barnabases hanging around. Their own great mission was made possible by a, by a coterie of helpers, sons and daughters of encouragement. Who are they in your life? It's a nice little spiritual exercise when you're in your holy hour, your time of prayer. Who are the Barnabases in my life? The people who were sent to kind of take charge of me you know, and get me on the right path and help me. We're never in this thing alone. That's the second spiritual lesson. Okay. We hear in this same reading that Paul, quote, spoke out boldly in the name of the Lord and debated with the Hellenists, but they tried to kill him. Well, I'm convinced if Paul were alive today, he'd be on the internet. And he would especially love, I think, internet chat rooms. Because Paul was a natural arguer and debater, which you can see on practically every page of his letters. You know, he's not like this kind of just gentle, um, uh, passive figure. Paul is always kind of in the arena. He's always taken on opponents real or imagined, right? So from the beginning, there he is speaking out boldly in the name of the Lord, debating. When they say the Helen is here, they probably mean Jews who spoke Greek. And so he's trying to convince them of, of the truth of Jesus. Okay, from which I derive a third spiritual lesson. We are not meant to keep the faith to ourselves. Now, I know it goes utterly contrary to the etiquette of our society, which says don't wear religion on your sleeve, tolerate all points of view, etc. You know, be private about your religion, but not public. I don't know, not the first Christians. Paul, prominent among them, who spoke boldly and publicly even when it got them in trouble. So the Hellenists, they're trying to kill him, right? I mean, I think I got a hard time on it because people yell at me on the internet. I mean, they're trying to kill Paul for his message. So we're not meant to keep the faith to ourselves. Then we hear something really interesting. In fact, to me, the most interesting part of this little uh, story from chapter 9 of Acts. Once they knew that Paul was in serious danger, the leaders of the church in Jerusalem took him away, sent him to Caesarea, which means on the seacoast, and they got him on a boat and sent him back to Tarsus. <laughs> Think about that for a second now. They took the apostle to the Gentiles. They took one of the most significant figures in the entire history of Christianity, and they got him out of Dodge. <laughs> they put him out of the game. And do you know how long that sabbatical lasted? Ten years. For ten years, St. Paul, the apostle, was out of commission. He was unsummoned by the church. Fourth and final lesson, our mission takes place within the context and under the discipline of the church. Ooh, this is a hard lesson, everybody. I remember trying to teach it for years to my students at the seminary. Our mission takes place within the context and under the discipline of the church. No matter how gifted we are, no matter how important our contribution might be, we are servants ready to take instruction from our superiors for the good of the church. 
See, here's the thing. St. Paul, in fact, benefited enormously from this time away. First, it probably saved his life. You know, if he hadn't been spirited away, we might remember him today as one of his, his early martyrs of the church. But we would not have had the churches he established or any of the letters he wrote or none of his theology. They probably saved his life by getting him on a dodge. Moreover, those 10 years were exactly what he needed to think through what had happened to him. So remember, he's the sworn enemy of the Lord. Then he has this experience, this vision, which changed his whole life. But, you know, let's be honest. He, at that point, had no real idea what it all meant, how it fit into the story of Israel, how it cohered with his Jewish formation. See, everybody, all the wisdom that came bursting forth in his preaching and writing gestated during this long period when he was compelled off the stage by the church. So that fourth lesson again. Our mission, whatever it is, always takes place within the context and under the discipline of the church. So spend some time with this ninth chapter of Acts and keep these four spiritual lessons very much in mind. And God bless you. Thank you for listening to this week's homily from Bishop Robert Barron. For more resources from Bishop Barron, please visit wordonfire.org.